1: Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. We're going to get right into things today. we got a packed show. Joey Brown with the Permian Basin Hiring Events. Just a minute to talk about their big Bakken hiring event coming up May 30th in Williston, North Dakota. Then we're going to talk with Robert De Palma, paleontologist, describes the meteor impact 66 million years ago. That generated a tsunami-like wave in the inland sea that killed the fish and the mammals and insects and dinosaurs. And Anyway, big news in the world of science. It's like a big, big deal. It was all over the news last week. Uh, we talked to the paleontologist who actually made that big finding. Uh, talks about the death scene within an hour of impact at the unprecedented fossil site up in North Dakota. And then we talk with Terry Edom, energy writer with the BOE Report and the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. All that and much, much more on today's episode of the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
0: Jason Spees, the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
2: I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you will let people make up their own minds. you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies.
3: Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online.
2: Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a
4: multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this?
5: No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Kevin Black with Credence Energy Services.
1: Perfect. All right. Thank you for joining us here today. <laughs> We got Kevin Black with us, president of Credence Energy. You're still the president, aren't you, or did they move you to some other role? They haven't bumped me yet. Okay, well, you know, a lot of times the president's the you know dishwasher and bottle cleaner. So um, <laughs> we kind so, of wear we'd wear a lot of hats. So speaking of that, wearing a lot of hats, uh, you guys are expanding into Texas, and you're also hiring in the Bakken. That's got to be some really good news coming into 2019.
5: Yeah, we're really excited. 2019 has kicked off at a pretty fast pace, especially now that the weather has uh, gotten out of the the negatives, which is I'm sure everybody's happy about that. But yeah, we've expanded to the Permian. We're we're certainly thrilled to be down there. But uh, back home here in the Bakken, uh, we're as busy as ever, and we are. We're looking to grow our team right now, and so we're looking for some great candidates who are are interested in you know working hard and being a team player and. Um, we're looking to bring those types of folks here on on the Credence team.
1: Let's talk about your hires a little bit uh, specifically. Do you know kind of what what you guys are looking for in terms of is it an office manager, is it a field operator? Just talk to me a little bit about the duties, responsibilities, and you know, just basically go ahead and say say what, what do they call that? I have an, a resume. What's a reverse resume? A Want ad? There you go. Do a want ad for us. <laughs>
5: you bet well we're looking for highly motivated uh men and women who uh who if they have experience in the oil field that's really great Uh, but it's not actually required Um, specifically though this job is going to be we're looking for delivery drivers and what we call treater truck drivers very similar to um, uh, like a hot oil uh, driver position Um, we're also looking for service technicians and these All these roles are really field based roles. So uh, we're looking for individuals who enjoy working outside. Um, uh, People who are, again, highly motivated. Um, We are we are willing to train people who are willing to learn. Um, And probably more important than any credential or degree is, is just a positive attitude and willing to be part of a team and contribute to a team. And those are the types of people we want at Credence.
1: Anytime I hear hot oil driver, I automatically think of uh, CDL licenses and special yes. things like that. Um, talk to me about these jobs and if any of these special requirements are needed. And if you guys are hiring of ones that don't, it sounds like you guys are willing to train. So it's it's some flexibility, huh?
5: That's right. And thanks for that question, Jason. Um, these positions will require uh, a CDL uh, We would prefer a class A, but um, there are positions that uh, a class C or B will work. Um, Again, if you don't have those credentials, we are willing to train and put you through those programs and help you get your CDL. Um, And you also have to be able to get your hazmat as well and uh, have a clean driving record. So clean driving record um, gets you the the CDL. um, And if you have it, that's even better already.
1: Are there any other positions you guys are hiring for right now, or is it just pretty much those ones that you're looking for?
5: Right now, we're mainly looking for the professional driving positions.
1: And how about down in the Permian? You mentioned expansion. Uh, are you guys just opening up an office down there? Are you already down there? Talk to me about the move.
5: Yeah, so we uh, we have a facility in a yard down in Texas. Um, we have a team set up uh, down there, so... Uh, We're really just uh, dipping our toe in the water, so to speak, but we anticipate things to get off to a quick start down there as well.
1: Well, for those folks in Texas that might not be familiar with you and perhaps are listening via the technological wave of the Internet or maybe they're driving up in the five-state radio region that we have, but uh, talk to us a little bit about your services, what you do, what kind of customers that you guys are looking for, Uh, Give yourself a little bit of an introduction for those Texas folks who may not know you.
5: Yeah, you bet. So Credence is uh, an oil and gas production chemical company. Uh, The best way to think of what we do is we're like the doctors and the pharmacists of the oil field. Uh, We specialize in uh, mineral scale uh, remediation and prevention as well as corrosion prevention. Uh, those are really the two areas we focus in and down in texas specifically we've we started up our mineral scale deposition uh, remediation program otherwise known as acidizing Uh, that's a fancy way of of talking about acidizing services so uh, that is what we're focusing on uh, right now in the permian Uh, but over time we'll be transitioning into offering a, a full suite of production chemicals as well
1: what's acidizing services
5: so uh, wells over time uh, produce, well, they produce three things, oil, water, and gas. And over time, uh, the water, which is packed with minerals, those minerals have a tendency to precipitate out onto the pipe. Um, much like if you never were to clean your uh, drain on your shower, that white scum will build up over time. That, that's a scale deposit, essentially. The same thing will happen in an oil well to the point where the pipe will actually completely plug off and you won't be able to produce that pipe. Um, we've developed really a one-of-a-kind uh, pumping system that can go out to these wells and very safely and very efficiently um, pump down a, a blend of different products to actually dissolve that mineral scale and remove it from the pipe and return that well to production. I'll
1: tell you, some of the technology you guys are coming up with out in the fields is amazing. Um, how many products are you guys slinging around over there?
5: Well, um, we have really an endless uh, number of, of chemistries, different chemistries that, that we sell. Um, yeah, the, the formulations, are, that's one advantage we have is that we can very quickly respond to the needs of our customers and adjust our formulations to the specific problems that we see in the in, in, on a particular well. That's given us a huge advantage to be um, very solution-driven and, and, like I said, very responsive because in the oil field, time is money. And uh, that's, that's how we've built our whole business model around is, is make, providing high-quality and quick solutions to our customers.
1: I suppose that kind of – people forget that uh, a lot of this stuff has to be really specific to every you know square foot out there. It can change that quick.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, while there's certain um, common themes across the oil field from a from a chemical analysis perspective, each well is different, um, and each well can have its own set of challenges. Um, and it's really important to have um, essentially the adaptability. To be able to respond accordingly to what that well needs and with our lab in Williston we are are able to have a very quick turnaround time in terms of analyzing the the brine properties and then from there modeling that that brine to predict the corrosion scale tendencies and this is getting very probably boring and technical but at the end of the day it allows us to make sure we are getting a custom solution to the customer and At the end of the day, preventing wells from failing and optimizing their production. Geosciences, FAU,
1: Florida. And we've got some very exciting news. I saw this uh, come out last week. I just caught the headline on one of my home pages. I clicked on it, and I read it and thought, this is one of the coolest stories I've come across in a while. It has to do with uh, kind of understanding a little bit more about ground zero with the asteroid that maybe extinct the dinosaurs and some things like that. So we brought on Robert diploma with florida atlantic university and the university of kansas to talk a little bit more about that so i gave a very awful description and i did that on purpose because i wanted you to be able to share the big news and kind of go go with that a little bit i know i've asked about a half a dozen people and they all said the same thing like oh i saw that but i haven't read it yet (laughs) so anyway that's where we're at with it but describe this uh this big finding that you guys have discovered up there in north dakota so basically this adds a, a slightly new
6: dimension to uh, an issue or a, a story that has been out there for a while. I mean, we've known since the 80s that the asteroid came down, um, which we now know came down in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, and ultimately uh, caused ecological devastation and ended in uh, the third largest extinction on the planet. Um, That's all good long-term stuff, but uh, the details of what happened right after impact were not as well known, because the geologic record doesn't preserve things on that fine of a time scale of minutes to hours. We're talking in hundreds of years to thousands of years or millions of years, the geologic record. So the interesting part about this site is that we have evidence for a massive surge of water which inundated a paleo river valley and essentially, within the period of a couple of hours at maximum, uh, deposited a massive amount of dead animals, plants, and sediment, which essentially records the very first two hours after impact in the geologic equivalent of high-speed film. So we're able to see what happened in those moments after impact. Uh, The other interesting part about this is that based on the data that we have, uh, the most likely trigger for that surge of water were seismic waves from the impact site itself, because our data indicates that those seismic waves would have arrived at the site of deposition right around the same time as all the incoming debris from the asteroid, which we found embedded in our deposits. So that's a very intriguing thing, that coupling between seismic shaking and this
1: sort of thing. So we're talking about North Dakota's Hell Creek Formation as the right. place where the fossils and, and that sort of thing ended up, correct? That's correct. Now, the point of impact is up in Canada, right?
6: Uh, the point of impact is the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. Oh, geez. So that's that's about 3,000 kilometers to the south.
1: Oh, my word. So that's that's way down south. So this is water from there, did you say? Or talk to me about how, how, how that impacted I I got lost somewhere along the line there. Here's the interesting part about it. The thing that travels
6: fast in this uh, scenario is uh, the, the coupling of the seismic waves. That is what is traveling fast. The seismic waves will arrive within minutes from the impact site, but the water is essentially already there. Whatever water is already in your study region, if that body of water is of the right dimensions... And those size waves could excite that to, uh, into a seiché formation, which is like a tsunami. It's like the bathtub water sloshing back and forth in one big wave. That's essentially what it does on a larger scale. So that would happen within minutes after impact, and by that extension, If those seismic waves encountered a body of water of the right dimensions almost anywhere from impact, on the other side of the world, for example, if that body of water was the right dimensions, it could have experienced the same thing within minutes after impact, before all the other bad things happened. So we're looking at the very first thing that could have affected all these little dotted ecologies right after impact. It's a phenomenal thing. We've got a snapshot
1: into that moment in time. So two questions that pop into my head right away are, one is there animals that came from outside that Hell Creek formation in North Dakota? Like, was the wave so big that it you know brought ones up from Kansas?
6: Well, technically speaking, um, because the inundation waves did appear to probably come from a marine environment, uh, we do have a number of marine organisms uh that washed in there with everything else and none of those marine organisms are from the hell creek formation they're from the seaway that used to be there so all of those are anomalous and very
1: interesting and so that kind of thing did you help dispel some some myths or did that that type of information did that help satisfy any questions of you know what's this troglobite doing here this shouldn't be here did that that anything like that happen Uh, Yeah, it also provides
3: a sample of what was in the seaway at that time
6: because the interesting thing is because of erosion and glaciation and such, um, there's no geologic record of the seaway from that time period. So literally anything from the ocean that we have in this site is probably one of the best examples we've got of what existed in the seaway at the very end of the Cretaceous. Um, In addition, here's the cool part. because we basically have high-resolution film in geologic terms of this moment in prehistory and how it would have affected uh, the animals and ecologies, Um, that's a better way for us to understand in greater detail how that impact affected the world's creatures and what is out there. And by extension, that helps us to understand how our current world could possibly deal with uh, a, a similar sort of disaster. So it really ties into modern day.
1: Robert De Palma with Florida Atlantic University and the University of Kansas. We're talking about the big discovery, the fossilized remains of a mass of creatures that died minutes after a huge asteroid slammed into the earth 66 million years ago, sealing the fate of the dinosaur, according to the oh, I thought it was Associated Press, but it's the it must be AFP. Is that American Free Press? I'm not familiar with that, I guess. Um, asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I mean I mean and, I, and I'm in the business and I can't even keep up with the new with, with the new news sources that are out there. All I know is that TMZ seems to be leading all the time. So, um but let's let's stick with the serious stuff here for a second. Um one thing I was I, I think of when I when I hear Tidal Waves and I Impact and I think of the movie Deep Impact or I think of the movie Perfect Storm and all I can think of is that water and how violent it must be. I mean, if you spent any time in Kansas, you probably know that, you know, they say in a tornado, hay can stick into trees like nails and that sort of thing. Was there any evidence of, of violence when it comes to the uh, impact of the of the wave? I'm sure there was. Yes, yes absolutely.
6: The, the wave was very, very violent. Uh, this surge of water essentially tumbled together and concentrated all of these carcasses, which are, uh, as a matter of fact, these are the first articulated carcasses of creatures associated with the KT boundary, the asteroid impact layer, uh, that we can demonstrate were killed as a result of it. So this is the first time you actually have a mass death layer there associated with the impact layer. Um, but when the Surge came in depositing all these things, as we excavate the creatures, we actually see with the fish, for example uh because there are many of those we actually see some fish that have fins that penetrate right through the bodies of other fish and some are actually ripped apart when they were wrapped around so the pre that are in the deposit so it was absolutely violent
1: and mammals you mentioned i think mammals earlier or i thought i saw that in the article i read uh what type of There's mammals were scooped up yeah well we
6: do have evidence of mammals there um the one that we're investigating right now is, is still under study, and we're about to uh, you know, do final touches on a manuscript on that, so I can't comment too much further on. But uh, the mammals that existed back then are, um, are very important to the, the story of humanity in that this is essentially what our representative was back then in the time of the dinosaurs. So anything that we have today, mammalian, on Earth, comes from a lineage that survived that whole event, which is absolutely fascinating. And we want to know why those certain lineages did survive that event. So this is actually an important piece to that.
1: So if we were to say one thing that you believe that mankind as a whole is supposed to extrapolate from this study and incorporate it into our lives in whichever way we can, what what would that be?
6: Um, A further understanding of how... An event like this could have a, a cataclysmic effect on the world and its ecologies, and to extend that to today, uh, to in, in an effort to be better stewards of the current ecologies, to know how vulnerable they could possibly be, and to find out ways of, uh, of doing that, of caring for them. That's really what should be one of the take-home messages.
1: Bach and hiring Joey Brown with the Bakken Hiring Events. First of all, does anybody ever call you downtown Joey Brown? No, they don't. Uh, well, we might have to <laughs> incorporate that nickname. Who knows? I mean, we're, we're, not, yeah. we're not quite the nickname sta- status yet. If uh, I don't know you that well, but anyway. <laughs> uh, we got a... a you reason. never know. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, we got an event coming up. That's why we're checking in with Joey Brown, downtown Joey Brown, about the oil and gas hiring event coming up May 30th, 2019. It's going to be held from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I believe it's in Williston, North Dakota. Is that correct?
7: That is correct. It's at the Raymond Center at 1002 11th Street West in Williston.
1: So we're talking about the Raymond Center in Williston, North Dakota, May 30th. Describe this event for me a little bit. Well, first of all, I is it, is it a, companies are going to be there? Talk to me about the companies. I imagine that's what it is. The companies reach out to you and... You you give them some booth space and then it's the people the public comes in. Is that what this is?
7: That is correct. So it's May thirtieth from ten to six, um, and it's a multi-company oil and gas hiring event. So <clears throat> the companies reach out to us, and yes, they get booth space, um, and then and we register them. And then uh, on May thirtieth is when all the job seekers come from all over and um, meet with all the hiring managers or company representatives <clears throat> at those booths and with those companies.
1: Usually companies that are looking for hirees have a pretty good success rate at these in the past. Um, I, I don't know if you follow your numbers or track your numbers, but my guess is, is that that you guys are doing these in multiple shale plays like you, you are. The companies are having very good success finding employees.
7: That is correct. So um, our oil and gas events bring anywhere you know bring several thousand um, job seekers to the event. So most companies can fill um, all of their all of their needs, to the positions that they have available.
1: Several thousand people. I was going to ask you uh, what type of attendance you see at these things, and I, I know a lot of times it's might not be. Let's say you get 3,000 people there. It might not be all 3,000 people looking for jobs. It might be, you know, some supportive spouses or maybe, you know, somebody to go with that's an aunt and uncle. But the thing that I like about those people, they go out and tell 15 of their family, friends, and everything else about the job. Those are the ones who seem to be the best word of mouth advertisers. It's not the ones looking for the job, it's the one that's helping the person find the job. Does that make sense?
7: Yeah, it does. And that is true. Um, we have, you know, people that that come um, with the job seekers and, um, you know, they've, they've told, you know, 50, 60 people in their family, you know, and um, sometimes the people who accompany the job seekers also find employment while they're there, even though they weren't necessarily looking <laughs> when they came, but... Um, but for the most part the majority of people who come to the events um are looking you
1: know hey i just I, I did that last weekend without even knowing it i i dropped my son and his friends off at the mall i went to the food court for a little bit got a coffee hung out ended up buying buying a shirt you know i mean i wasn't planning on buying <laughs> anything but i got bored walked around you know got my interest impulse buy you're right there are people there there's impulse job Movers without a doubt, you know, because a lot of people are always dreaming about, you know, something else. And uh, so we're, exactly. we're we've got a few months. So I imagine you guys are still accepting companies and looking for companies to to, to be a part of this end of May event. So we're talking May 30th. So uh, how can companies be a part of this event? You're not past deadline yet, are you?
7: No. So we we just opened up um, the company registration for the event um, and they can give us a call at 701 369 to register um, they can also go onto our website um, for additional contact information which is um, eventscom and they can get additional information there um, so you know <clears throat> with our events We do make it very easy for the companies to um, register. We also make it very easy for them to um, hire on the spot at the event if they choose to. Um, We do have um, interview booths set up around the the event. We um, have a drug testing company on site at the event. Um, Just different things like that so that companies who do want to hire you know right there right then and there um, they can they can do that
1: do you have a a limit or do you have specific categories or just talk to me about some of the companies involved you mentioned drug testing so I was going to ask actually ask you about drug testing companies but you kind of mentioned that's going to be there so uh, talk to me about maybe some of the other companies that you guys have had in the past at some of your events, or do you guys have a cap, like you only accept a certain amount or anything like that? Just talk to me a little bit about the logistics and, and company history.
7: Right. So with the oil and gas hiring events, um, it's really any company, um, you know, who, who work in the oil and gas industry. So it can be uh, support companies, it can be... Um, exploration companies, I mean, it, it can be any type of company within the oil and gas industry um, that are welcome to to this event. Um, now, with the oil and gas hiring events, you know, um, obviously, we don't really have, you know, food service, retail, those type of companies there, but um, any company that's this is, that works within the oil and gas industry is um, that's who come to these events.
1: Sure, okay, its oil and gas hiring events so there we go um,
7: yeah. <laughs>
1: right 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 keep it simple stupid right <laughs> this lousy host asks too many questions uh how, how, about, how about the people that maybe have done it for the first time you know I'm sure you get repeat people that come back but uh, right what, what should they expect I mean is this something where they need a full-on you know trade show booth display does a cardboard bo- you know table a card table work if that's even a thing anymore do you guys provide all the different things just how about some of that stuff because I'm sure there's you know there's some companies out there that would like to do something like this but they you know they're growing for the first time and they don't know what to do and so they're trying you know they're trying to watch every single penny and this and that and so um, how about you know talk to me about that a little bit If somebody's here for the first time, what's the expectations from that side of it?
7: Right. so at the event, um, when you reserve a booth with your registration, you the tables, the chairs that, that that's included, um, the pipe and draping that go around the booth is included. Um, we also can provide linen table covers if you need that for your for your tables. Um, and then they can just bring, Um, Really, just a banner or, um, obviously, applications. You know, some companies bring candy or, um, you know, water bottles or anything with their company logo on it. You know, companies bring that, too. Um, They'll bring, you know, pop-up banners, things like that. But as far as a full-on trade show booth, um, you know, they don't need to bring – I mean, they can, um, but that's not – um, really necessary you know for this type of event um, most just bring banners pop up banners, applications you know things like that our phone number is 701-369-3330 uh, our parent company is Permian Basin Hiring Events um, from the Permian so we are coming up from the Permian Basin um, and we are going to we, we do a lot of the oil and gas events in the Permian with great success and um, And so we, you know, we're coming up to the Bakken and and helping out the folks up in the Bakken, and uh, for the companies that need to fill positions, you know, in and around the Bakken, um, we're hoping that this event can can help them do that.
1: And the event is coming May thirtieth, two thousand and nineteen, at the Raymond Center in Williston, North Dakota. writer with the BOE report. Outstanding! Thank you for joining us here today. In addition to the BOE report, your writing resume has gotten a little bit bigger. And before we get into uh, some of the topics on hand, let's start off by your "The End of Fossil Fuel Insanity: Clearing the Air Before Cleaning the Air." It's a book written by Terry Edom, our guest here. And talk to me a little bit about the book, the process, where it's available, etc.
8: Oh, sure. Uh, So the book originated, I've been writing an energy call for four or five years now. And uh, the point of the writing I try and do is to try and um, shave the edges off the extremes of the debate. We've just become into such a locked, polarized debate here where um, there's a whole movement to kill the fossil fuel industry. And at the same time, there's a fossil fuel industry that points out, well, you can't survive without fossil fuels. We can't have our standard of living without fossil fuels. And it seems like the debate's just gotten very polarized and the um, the extremists have taken over the, the stage and the microphone, and they've been talking about how easy it is gonna to be to get off fossil fuels. And and I think the, the fossil fuel industry, the petroleum industry is what I speak for mostly, um, has kind of taken the, the tack that people will realize that it's, it, it's, uh, it should be obvious how much we rely on fossil fuels. But I think people don't pay that much attention to their energy sources, particularly in urban areas. And so I think it's uh, the, the, the battle's just gotten away from us. So this is just an attempt to explain to people who are perhaps not directly involved in the petroleum industry um, just how reliant we are, just try and make them understand that, and how difficult it is going to be to go to different energy systems.
1: I've brought up the phrase, the religion of environmentalism, because I believe that movement has turned into almost a religious-type movement to where the, the amount of blind faith and the amount of social causes that are really involved. Um it's it's I don't know, just go ahead and take over from there. Is that is do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Is that anything your book talks no, about? I,
8: I agree with that absolutely that it's become a a good versus evil thing in the minds of a lot of people and and when i say they've taken the stage they're convincing people that it is evil to burn oil or natural gas is evil and and because you're destroying the planet and it's an easy sell because people get scared by those sorts of messages and um and and it's just such a flawed argument because it's actually what gives us life like if you look at the the recent cold snap that we've had here, like in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, there. Like, what would have happened to that city if those natural gas lines had gone down going into the city? There's actually an incident in um, uh, Rhode Island, this is just before Christmas, where they declared a state of emergency because the natural gas demand was so high that it depressurized the system and people couldn't get enough supplies. They had to cut off 7,000 customers. That's not just homes. That's or that's not 7,000 people at 7,000 customers. So that could be buildings. It could be all sorts of things. And they had to declare a state of emergency. That, that's how close these some of these communities are to a, a disaster. And uh, if if fossil fuel supplies were cut, never mind transportation or or imagine no air travel or something like that. And and I think that the the our industry hasn't been doing a great job of 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 Elaborating on that to people, we think it's obvious to people, but it's not. So, so you're right. It's become a religion, and it's become your evil if you're on one side, and if you're good, if you're on the other, even though uh, we're the ones that keep everyone alive. So,
1: this is a very interesting conversation because this is the birth of the planet's champion, the champion of the planet. I've, I've, I've toyed with this, call it, you know, re- wrestling gimmick, if you will, um, to almost go over the top to elaborate a point. Of what you just talked about, the industry does not do a good job of this, and I agree they don't. Mm-hmm. And um, the one side has painted a picture of fear, like you said, and the uh, when in fact the oil and gas industry could paint a reality of fear, not not a speculative fear, because I'll get into that oh, yeah. in, ju- in just a moment. Absolutely real. But but, yeah. the, but the reality is is that if fossil fuels went away at say thirty. Percent Of what they're doing now, that would have an enormous disruption on the planet, it would have an enormous disruption on our way of life, it would have an enormous disruption on from the economy to just basically, uh, you know, like you said, transportation in general. So
8: life as we know it would change if you if you took 30 percent away from uh, the, imagine a heating source gone in winter, like I just mentioned, or or, or not being able to transport food, or, or not being able to transport things by ship or, or air travel, anything, any of those that you mentioned, it, it would just have such catastrophic consequences. And, but people take it for granted. I you know, see the, the oil
1: and gas industry really being the only proactive people in this. How's <laughs> that for irony?
8: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. and and they would absolutely be open to it and even the a lot of the the um the petroleum people i talked to downtown here and i talked to a lot of them in in the heart of canada's petroleum business here like a lot of them will even say it there there is a, a date when we won't rely on fossil fuels as much we we agree with them on that it's just that it's not in 10 years, it's going to be in 40 or 50 years, and it's going to be really, really hard to get there, and we really need to think about it and have a roadmap how to get there, rather than just saying, well, we have to stop it now, uh, because there's no thought that goes into that, and that's the, you're right, I think the, the, some of the examples you gave there are, are the place to start. You go for the low-hanging fruit, like why, why, do, why aren't we tackling those things first, and I use an example in the book there, I don't, I don't know what it's like in your state, but here we have a deposit on, on soda cans and and beer cans and stuff you return them you get your deposit back why don't we have that on everything why don't you have it on a starbucks cup and why don't you have it as a two dollar deposit would you think any of those will get thrown in the garbage if you have to pay a two dollar deposit on a cup like it's uh, we we just need to incentivize people to act in a, a different way so that they stop wasting things
1: no i agree completely uh Terry Edom with us. He's an energy reporter for the BOE Report, energy writer for the BOE Report. And we say writer because he also wrote a book called The End of Fossil Fuel Insanity, Clearing the Air Before Cleaning the Air. And we're kind of using that as our our thesis, talking about some of the issues, actually, in oil and gas that are going on, whether it be from a PR standpoint or whether it be from the religion of environmentalism or just the whole... Uh, misinformation that seems to be out there on, on a regular basis. The one that I like to talk to these activists about who want to get rid of fossil fuels tomorrow, um, when it comes to, like, cars, you know, they, they like to talk about electric cars. They like to talk about wind energy. They like to talk about solar energy. And that that's a frustrating conversation because it's easier to talk to a, to a walnut tree than it is to talk to these people. Because, honestly, we're coal and lithium batteries, I mean, when you start thinking about some of the things that they're saying are all the evils of, you know, fracking and mining and all these other things, their solution is a lot of times not better, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it, it's it's no, actually worse.
8: Right. And they they, they, they they take these things for granted. Like you say, that a uh, uh, electric vehicle is... Uh, better for the environment but if you pull together the web of components that go into that and the, the infrastructure that's required to find and mine all of those things and bring it to the assembly point um, if, if you if you've ever seen a the environmental disaster in china from their rare earth processing which goes into magnets which goes mm-hmm. into uh, electric vehicles like it's just an, an environmental nightmare and it's and it's uh it's that's all part of the equation but they don't see that they only see the car that gets plugged into the to the wall and and then even that the the cars get plugged into the wall like they they the the extremists say well we, we have to get rid of all our vehicles and go to electric vehicles but they don't even think about that either like and and you can take a a good example is in your house if you plug in Three things on the same circuit, you blow a breaker, right? Well, what happens if a if an apartment building plugs in a hundred Teslas at once? Well, what breaker gets broken? Like the the infrastructure that brings electricity to residential areas is was not built for those kind of loads.
1: And that's going to do it for today's program here on the Multimedia Cafe. We'd like to thank Terry Edom, energy writer for the B O E report and the author of the End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, for joining us here on the program. Also. Earlier in the program, Robert De Palma, paleontologist. I'd like to thank him. And Joey Brown, downtown Joey Brown, the Permian Basin hiring events. Of course, she's up in the Bakken on May 30th in Williston, North Dakota, for the Bakken hiring event. All that available at CrudeLife.com. That's our parent website, thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of our social media links are available at CrudeLife.com. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. And if you're downloading us on a podcast, thank you very much. And, of course, all you streaming us on the interweb, we appreciate that as well. And the social media, again, 350,000 followers, crudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies asking you to savor life and enjoy the space.
4: Historic.